Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, well, welcome back uh, to the pod on the book of James. And this week we will be looking at James chapter 3, uh, the last section, kind of a shorter text for this week, but one with a lot to chew on, a lot to think about. And the key idea here is the idea of wisdom. There are different kinds of wisdom. And where does my wisdom come from? The kind of wisdom that I'm believing in, trusting in, thinking about. Uh, there's a lot of so-called wisdom out there. And... Uh, it's not all the same. It's not all from the same source. No, not not at all. And so this section makes us slow down, think about why do I make the decisions that I make? Whose wisdom am I relying on um, as I walk with God? So let's go ahead and read. This section kind of breaks up well into kind of two sections, although it's a short section in and of itself. We're just going to start in verse 13, and I'm going to read down through verse 16 from the New American Standard Bible. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So James begins this section with a pretty interesting question. It's kind of like he's asking his audience, all right, can I get a show of hands? Who is wise and understanding here? Yeah, and I like to think in that moment, you know, I am. And like people start raising their hands like slowly. (laughs) Oh, me, oh, me, oh, me. He's like, okay, you think you're wise and understanding? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And at that point, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if your hand is up or not. It's like, don't tell us you're wise. Show us you're wise by acting meekly, by acting with meekness. And so I was like, oh, man, like, I want everybody to think I'm smart, but I have to actually show it. I have to actually prove it. I mean, this goes right back to what we were talking about with, like, faith and works uh, a couple episodes ago, um, or even with what he's saying about the tongue. You know, you can talk a good game all you want. But if you want people to know that you're actually wise, you've got to live it. You've got to show by your deeds and by your conduct the wisdom of God being worked out in your life. Because it's easy to say you're wise and understanding. But in your interactions, in your conversations, with how you handle your words, are you being meek? Are you being understanding? Are you being patient? Uh, What kind of wisdom are you teaching people with the way you live your life? I mean, this is a good exercise. Think about someone you consider to be wise and has given you good counsel and advice in your life that's been sound from God's word. Think about who that person is in your life for just a second. What's their conduct like? Do they just say it or do they live it? I would bet that they live it as well. That's the type of person that you're going to go to for wisdom. And, and if so, you're not living it, you might reconsider who you're asking yes, for Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly so. And so I, I think that what we want to pull from this is of ourselves, if we want to be wise and understanding, let it first start in how you conduct yourselves and your good behavior, your, your deeds and the gentleness of wisdom is how my translation puts it. Yes. Which, I mean, this does go back a little bit to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the 
gentle or blessed are the meek yeah. uh, for they shall inherit the earth and here that's kind of the first quality we're going to have several lists in this section of the wisdom from below and then the wisdom from above but the first quality given about wisdom is that it is meek and that's kind of powerful to think about for just a minute that wisdom is not something that parades itself it's not just you know jumping down people's throats it is meek which is the idea of gentleness the idea i like the idea of strength under control mm, of restraint yeah that it is uh it knows that it's wise but it's not quick to tell everybody that it's just showing people and just sharing the benefits of that wisdom with people and that's really important because we live in a world where the voices, the quote-unquote wisdom that gets listened to the most is usually the one who shouts the loudest, yeah. who has the funniest memes, who has the most clever soundbite. That, that's the wisdom. It, it's not meekness. Or who has the ear of the media or whatever have you. That, that's going to be the person that is the, the one in charge, the one calling the shots. No, that, that's not how it is in God's word. The, the one who is wise is the one that leans on the wisdom of the Lord. Yeah, and, and, and that is not necessarily the one shouting the loudest. Right. I, I like the uh, book of Proverbs, especially those first nine chapters, where you have uh, wisdom personified as this woman who is trying to get people to come listen to her because she has gifts of long life and blessing and abundance and security. And these young, naive men are wandering around, and she is crying out to some extent, but she's not the only one crying out. The woman folly and, you know, the, the seductive woman, they're all trying to pull at different people. And, and there's a type of wisdom that they seem to have. Sometimes the whoever's naive, let them turn in here. That woman folly is crying that, and so is lady wisdom. It's really interesting to see kind of like the cacophony of voices going on in Proverbs. And it's like, well, who do I listen to? Who's actually wise? Well, you've got to look at the fruit of their actions. Jesus said that about the false teachers. You'll know them by their fruits. And here, again, who's wise? Let them show. Um, you've got to live it out. Look at the fruit of someone's life if you want to know if they have wisdom or not. And so this is going to kind of tie into the next section where he talks about the wisdom from below. Yeah, so in verse 14, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. So now we're getting into the qualities of wisdom that are from below, the, the things that we don't want. And the first one is bitter jealousy. Um, and this is kind of, it looks like a theme that we've been seeing throughout James already with maybe some of the contentions between these Jewish brethren, some poor, some rich, in the way that they view the way or the things that other people have. That's not wisdom from above. That's wisdom from below. When you're being jealous and bitter towards someone because of what they have and what you don't have. And man, I've just seen so many people, some who used to be Christians, uh, torn apart by bitterness and jealousy. Uh, we get bitter when we're ungrateful and we allow bad experiences, some of which are very legitimate, um, to fuel our actions against people. I mean, bitterness is one of the biggest political weapons, right? I mean, smear campaigns and I mean, we've just been through, you know, an election year and we've seen so much of that. But you can manipulate people when you get them bitter. And that as he's going to say in just a minute, uh, after he gets done describing these things, in verse 15, he'll say, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. But there, it is a type of wisdom. 
you can you can influence a lot of people by stirring up bitterness and stirring up jealousy. I mean, this is also what like most advertisers do, right? It's yeah. not maybe not as sinister, but they're trying to create discontentment in you Absolutely. because you don't have their product. Right. They have to create a need and then fill the need. And so again, that's worldly wisdom. Yeah, if you can get people angry, get them bitter, then you can get them to buy what you want or vote the way you want or whatever. And like we just gotta recognize like that is the wisdom of the world. That is not the wisdom of God. If it's producing bitterness and jealousy in you, that's not the wisdom from above. You know, I just looked up. It's interesting. This word for bitter is used one other time in the New Testament, and it's right back there in verse 11. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter? It actually doesn't say water there. It just says bitter there. So I think that's kind of cool that as we're contrasting the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below, in like manner with our tongue, you cannot say both blessings and cursings. That's not how it works. So I thought that was kind of cool. I yeah, just realized that. That's an interesting connection. So the next thing he talks about is selfish ambition. And I think it's important to note that it's not just ambition. Like there, you can want to do something productive and good for the Lord. That That's a good thing. Right. But selfish ambition is when we're wanting to do something productive and good and something that makes people notice me. Right. And puts me at the top of the ladder and puts my name in front of everybody and look at what I've done. And selfish ambition is the source of so much worldly wisdom. Yes. The dog-eat-dog business world, the, you know, fight your way, claw your way to the top of the ladder. Don't let anybody step on you, my way or the highway. I mean, it, it gets stuff done. It gets yeah. it puts people under you, but it's not God's wisdom. And as we think about the context of treating your brothers and sisters in Christ this way, this is something Jesus called out on the Sermon on the Mount when people were using religious things like praying, fasting, and giving alms to further themselves. They were using themselves or th- those things for selfish ambition, um, and that obviously is not okay. Uh, we, we can't do that. And I also like it's just a little phrasing, but I'm glad it's there. It's in your heart. That's where it originates. Yeah. And that's, again, something consistent with the teachings of Jesus. It all starts in the heart and then goes out from there and then defiles the man. That's right. And this ties right in. It, you know, don't, if you have these things, don't boast. Uh, arrogance goes along with this. Yeah. Uh, so much false teaching, so much of what gets us off track starts by getting puffed up. Uh, that's the word that's used over and over in First Corinthians where he talks about love is not puffed up, but... Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Um, arrogance and pride and boasting are not the hallmarks of the Christian. That's not how Jesus lived. That's how he had to stop his disciples from yep. being when they were fighting against each other. He says, don't boast. Um, again, being the loudest voice in the room and building yourself up is the way that the world encourages everyone to act. You know, this is what you got to stand up for yourself. you got to make a name for yourself. you got to get your resume out there, tell everybody how great you are and... It's like, if we're doing that from a place of boasting, if we're doing that from a place of selfish ambition, that's not God's wisdom, and it's not going to bear God's fruit. And there's a reason why he says, if you act this way, you're lying against the truth. What, what is the truth of the gospel as you look at Jesus? Well, he was God, he was in heaven there, and he humbled himself, and he came down to earth. He was not arrogant and puffed up, but he humbled himself. That's the truth of the gospel. And so when you act contrary to that, when you act the opposite of that, you're lying against the truth of Jesus to humble yourself and be like he was. Yeah, great point. Philippians 2, <laughs> there it verses is. 1 through 11, is a great passage that illustrates 
Christ's example of humility. And this this kind of wisdom, unfortunately, we, we see it in, in so many organiza- different organizations. We see it in churches. Um, and yep. what does he call it in verse 12? It's not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, demonic. What does the ESV say there? Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Okay, unspiritual, You just talked about the demons earlier. The demons believe and tremble. Here, the, the demons have their own kind of wisdom, but you don't want to buy into that. And again, the danger here is that it appears like wisdom. It seems to get results. It seems to, you know, actually change the situation when you just, let me just, do a few things with some selfish ambition and, and say a few things and our enemies will be silenced and we'll be able to do some good. A lot of times, you know, people try to say the ends justify the means. He says, listen, if you are acting out of this worldly wisdom, you are going to reap what you sow. And we've got to be so careful because it's so appealing in the moment. It would be so easy. And I like the way Paul says it in like Second Corinthians when he's getting slammed and smeared by these false teachers. And he says... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal weapons. We have a different way of fighting. We cannot fight on their terms. If they're slandering us and and, and saying all kinds of evil against us falsely, we have to turn the other cheek. We have to respond with God's wisdom and not think, oh, but if we just let them go on like this. No, you need to respond in the meekness of wisdom. And that will produce the fruit God wants. Not It may not produce the immediate fruit you want of getting to win the argument or put the zinger back on them. But if we return evil with good, that is wisdom from above. That's turning away from you know this bitterness and selfish ambition that comes from below. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think the way that we treat each other in a local church or wherever have you, just among brethren, it is so often motivated by the way we see our, our earthly leaders act and, and treat each other. And think about Jesus, Stephen referenced this earlier, as he's talking with his disciples, and he'll say in Mark 10, you know that those who recognize themselves as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them, but it is not to be this way among you. Yes. You look out at the world and you see the way the rulers try to bully their way around and say, I'm the one in charge, and Jesus comes back and says, that's not how it is in, in my people. Yeah. Um, that's not the way we're to act. That is earthly, natural, demonic. That's right. The way of Jesus is countercultural. It right. goes against the way we see people act in the world. We can't right. be that way. can't yep. live that way. Exactly. And so now he kind of brings it back in verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing. I mean, you look at any organization that's fueled on jealousy and just trying to step on the guy beneath you so that you can get a step up. It, it might look good on the inside, or excuse me, on the outside, but really... There's just pure chaos and disorder in that organization. And I've seen this happen in religious circles. I've seen people who've had legitimately bad experiences among brethren then go off on their own direction and start some things that they they create kind of what becomes the fellowship of the miserable. And they feed off of each other's mutual bad experiences and bitterness. And guess what that leads to? Disorder and every vile practice is not going to bear the fruit of God if you are building, not with the fruit of the Spirit, but with the works of the flesh. This is a kind of a very parallel to Galatians 5, the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit. Different lists, but the same basic idea. You reap what you sow. And we have to be so careful because, again, there's a pull, there's a draw to use. Well, maybe we'll use just a little bit, you know, 
of, of a zinger or something. No, no, we can't fight according to the world's terms. Um, even in, in spiritual discussions, uh, we have to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Which leads us to the wisdom from above um, in 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Uh, I love the fact that he, he numbers the first two. Uh, I don't know if there's an organization to the rest of the list. But it's first pure. I think that's really helpful to think about. The wisdom from God is not tainted with lies or falsehood or it's not twisted it's not hidden it's just pure and undiluted yes it's exactly what it looks like it's not got a hidden agenda it's just the open statement of the truth it's pure it's not sinful and the second thing is that it's peaceable because here's the thing i i am a person who loves peace (laughs) i hate conflict i hate arguments i i want to make peace among people but peace at the expense of everything else is not godly wisdom yeah. you and can see this in families and other places and it's not godly peace that's um, right I, I think the ultimate place to see that is at the cross um god wanted peace with his people but sin still had to be punished sin still had, had to, to be, be taken with. care of that's exactly right. and so there was a pure sacrifice there that took care of the sin that then gave us the peace we can have with God. Right. And, and if there's someone that we love who's caught up in some sin or is doing something wrong, we say, oh, I just want peace. I just want peace. And, and we so we don't address it. We don't talk about it. And guess what happens? We've sacrificed purity mm-hmm. for so-called peace, and it's not going to result in the kind of peace we're ultimately hoping for. If we don't address sin, it's going to get worse. If we don't talk with people and work it out with people, it doesn't get better. We have to be willing to be pure first and say we can't compromise. We have to have the hard conversations. But that brings us to peace. If we're willing to stand for purity and do what's right, tell the truth, speak it in love, then that will lead to God's peace. But a false peace will not accomplish the wisdom of God. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 has to get after the brethren for being willing to go along with a brother in Christ who apparently was sleeping with his father's wife. And even says that they were like puffed up and arrogant about that, maybe because of the tolerance that they had. But they were having peace with that guy, but at the expense of purity. And Paul comes in and says, you cannot do that. That is wrong. And he says, I already wrote you about this, that you're not to associate with an immoral person like that. But we can't sell out the truth and the purity of God's word and his expectations for us for the sake of having peace with other people. So I think the order here, like Stephen said, is just so important. But next it says it's gentle, which calls us back to verse 13 as we think about having this, um, this spirit of gentleness of wisdom here. But as we are pointing out the sin in someone's life to make peace with them, we're not going to do it in a way, I heard you say once, like, everyone's a nail and I'm the hammer, you know. Yeah, that, huh. I really like that idea that we're not going to come in and just try and bully our way through to make people do what we want them to do, even if it aligns with God's will. But we're going to be gentle as we help bring them to the truth. Because think about it. How do you want someone to come to you? Do you want them to come in and just bully their way through your life and tell you everything you're doing wrong? Well, I want someone to tell me what I'm doing wrong, but I also want them to love me and show their love for me as they do it. Um, and so the, the principle of, of uh, treat others in the same way you would want to be treated applies here as you think about pointing things out in people's life. Yes. 
I really like the the next one. Um, the ESV says open to reason. Uh, what does the New American Standard say there? Just says reasonable. Reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. But it's really a fascinating concept of uh, another way of saying it is able to be entreated. Mine has a footnote that says willing to yield. Willing to yield. Uh, again, wisdom from above is not the, well, this is my way or the highway. It, no, wisdom from above, you're able to talk to them. Well, another way you say it is, am I approachable? If I'm not approachable, if I'm not open to reason, willing to listen, quick to hear, slow to speak, that's not the wisdom from above. But I love that idea of being open to reason. Even if I disagree, wisdom will listen. If I'm wrong, I'm willing to be corrected. Am I teachable is another way of asking this question. Uh, but open to reason is so, so important. And it just feels like our world, like what Satan wants to do is he wants to shut down our minds. He wants to get it to where we don't think. We just know that that person's wrong and anything they say is wrong. And it doesn't matter what. That's not open to reason. Yeah. Or to silence the other side. Just make sure that their message can't get out. You only listen to one side. That's not wisdom. The first to argue his case seems right until his neighbor comes That's and examines right. him. Open to reason means, hey, we can calmly get together and we can lay it out on the table and say, which of these ideas is correct? Let's talk about it. Let's work through it. Um, it's first pure, then peaceable. But it's able to, to listen, able yeah. to work out and talk about problems um, and get to the bottom of things. And, and sometimes if you are someone that's the, the wise person in the group, as you're going to go address something you've heard about somebody that's been reported to you, it's really important that we don't already have our mind made up about that person at that point. Go into that conversation willing to listen to them because maybe they're going to present you with some information that you didn't have yet. But if you go in with your mind already made up of who they are or what they've done, then that conversation might not go the direction that it needs to go if you're not willing to be reasonable, willing to yield, and listen. Mm-hmm. And kind of going on along with that, you need to be full of mercy in those moments as well. I know a lot of people, and myself included at times, where I've went to correct or help somebody, and on paper, I might be right. The, what I'm coming to them with, I am absolutely 100% in the right. But maybe in the way that I present myself to them, I'm wrong. Because I have no mercy and because I'm not being patient with them. Um, someone who is wise in the way the Lord wants them to be is merciful. Blessed are the merciful. This is something that goes right back to the Beatitudes. I mean, I mean, have we, there's so many of the Beatitudes in here. The meekness of wisdom. Uh, yep. Blessed are the meek. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Yep. <laughs> blessed are the merciful. I mean, man, you got almost half the, the Beatitudes gentle, yeah. just right here. Yep. Um, it's powerful to think about that. And, and finally, he says it's full of mercy and good fruits. Right. I mean, this is the analogy. I mean, all over the New Testament, right, is that you reap what you sow. Um you, you can't get good fruit from a bad tree. And wisdom is going to be seen by the fruit that it bears if you're living it out. This is where you started the conversation. You think you're wise? Show by your good conduct. Show by your good fruit is the idea. Wisdom from above is full of good fruits. Uh, the result of it, you can test it and see, yeah, that's good. That's, uh, that's from God. And then he says impartial. Yeah, that's interesting. Mine says unwavering there. Um, but impartial is cool if that is a callback to chapter 2 at all. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll have to check the word there. Um, it's not exactly the same word, but I suspect that it's the same general idea. 
of uh, impartial, impartial is the idea of it's not predisposed to take one outcome over the other. I think about it being open to reason. And this is true in how we treat people. It's in how we treat ideas, um, how we treat uh, people who come to us to correct us. Um, we need to be impartial. It doesn't matter who comes to me to tell me that I need to grow in some way. I need to humbly accept that. When I'm in the position to make a decision, I need to be impartial about that decision in how I treat other people, the rich and the poor, uh, people from different kinds of backgrounds. I need to be impartial about that. What was the word you used again? Really? Unwavering. Unwavering. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So unchanging, uh, not uh, swayed back and forth by, you know, Okay. Opinions. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. I was sitting there struggling with that for just a second. But yeah, that makes sense. I do like impartial there uh, as well. And then I love the way this ends without hypocrisy. Yeah, mine says sincere. Okay, sincere. Very uh-huh. good. Yeah, that's. But cool. it, it is literally the word um, like unhypocritical. It's okay. The cool. Opposite opposite of hypocrite. Yeah. Exactly. And so th- this lies in contrast to what we saw about the wisdom from below uh, of hypocrisy. You, you've got these people who are, who are acting one way but being another way, and they really have these selfish motives. But this person has pure and sincere motives, like the way the ESV says that, and they're not just doing it to gain something out of it. They're sincerely doing it because they love the person. Yes. And so many times in the New Testament, he will talk about having a sincere love of the brethren or an unfeigned love Wisdom is not about putting a mask on and looking good. Wisdom is you see what, what you what you see is what you get. Um, it's sincere. It's like I'm, I'm telling you from the heart where I'm at. Uh, I'm not trying to hide anything or give you some hidden agenda. Um, it is just open. And I love that. Um, and I like how he wraps up when talking about this harvest of righteousness. And it goes back to the idea of being peaceable uh, that we talked about. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Again, blessed are the peacemakers. This is very parallel to what Jesus said. But the idea of like God is kind of pictured as a farmer. Mm-hmm. And he is sowing his seed in the world. His The seed is wisdom. Mm-hmm. And as we go out and we spread the seed on the ground, you don't initially see it come up. It takes time to see, well... What's going to come up? But when you see, this goes back to the good fruits idea, it, what, what's coming out? Is it bitterness and selfish ambition and, you know, uh, boasting? Uh, or is it peaceable? Is it gentle? Is it pure? Is it open to reason? We can see, oh, well, now we can see what kind of seed was sown. And it's going to be a harvest of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're sowing God's wisdom, it will bear the fruit that God wants it to bear. And that's so important is that we can't, we can't get around the law of the farm. You reap, you reap what you sow. And as tempting as it is to use that other seed that seems to get quicker results, we don't want the harvest that's going to come from that. We want the harvest of righteousness. And what's cool is uh, like definitely God, the idea of him sowing the seed of wisdom in his people, the fruit being righteousness. And then it says that it's sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's also a sense, I guess, where we're like a co-farmer, I guess, that, that, yeah. that we come in and we're now also sowing in peace as being the ones who are the peacemakers. Yeah, we're sowing alongside the Lord and he's working through us. Yes, that's such a beautiful idea. And again, the wisdom from above, it starts with meekness and it ends with making peace. Uh, we need to be people who want to work together with other people. So much of what James has talked about in this book has to do with how we treat each other. 
And if we're not making peace with other people, we may well not be acting uh, in, um, in wisdom. Now, again, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. There's times where we can't have peace because there can't be purity. But um, it is a, a harvest of righteousness that is sown by, in peace by those who make peace. And yes. that's, that's what God wants. And so what we want to do as we kind of come to a close on this section today is go back to an earlier phrase from from James. Let's not just only be hearers, but let's be doers. These are all things, yes, we need to pray for the wisdom of God as James 1. But I think James would say to you, all right, like, what are you going to do now to be pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, have good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy? What are you going to do about that? Find practical ways to apply these things today and as you go through your life. These are not only things we pray for, but they're things we go out and get as well. Um, as the Lord blesses us and as he's with us with these things. Amen. Yeah. So Lord willing, next week we're going to get into chapter 4 where he's going to talk about uh, the, the source of quarrels and conflicts among these brethren is he's just talked about the wisdom from above. He's going to give them some advice on how to work through those things. Yeah, sounds a lot like the wisdom from below. Yeah. Though it's where they can trace it back to. Yes. And so uh, as soon as James gives instruction, he gives very practical ways for these brethren to apply it. And so chapter four is going to be um, some ways that they can apply the things he's taught so far. Yeah. Amen. If you're enjoying uh, the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love it if you would subscribe, uh, leave us a rating or a review if this is helpful to you. Um, we'd love to study with you. Um, we have some online and um, in-person now Bible studies going on again. Um, if you'd like more information about that, reach out to us at 717-585-0949 or shoot us an email at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or if you'd like more information, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.